Welcome to the Veteran Founder Podcast on the Startup Radio Network. Starting a company allows you to be back in control. The weekly show that brings together military spouse and veteran founders who are doing remarkable things in the business world. I can't imagine there's anything out there stronger than the bond military and veteran entrepreneurs have. We'll hear their story, the story of business, and lessons learned. Boy, can override the worries and depression. Here are your Carmen Nazario and Josh Carter. Happy New Year, everybody. It is Friday. It is 1 p.m. Pacific time on the West Coast. Uh, I am your host, Josh Carter, and with me, as always, is Carmen Nazario. Hi. Happy New Year to everyone. Happy New Year, Carmen. How was, how was your New Year? Great. Yeah? Yeah. Mine was pretty low-key. I'm getting over being sick, and hopefully I don't cough in the microphone too often, but uh, really excited to be back. Uh, we are, uh, you know, of course, if you are not familiar with the program, welcome. Every week at 1 p.m. Friday, we sit down with um, an amazing founder from the military community, whether they are a military spouse or a veteran, and we talk to them about their experience, uh, sort of what they've been doing, and their transition from the military into being an amazing founder. And this week, I'm excited because I have a friend, a friend of of mine that I get to, to like dote over for like an hour. Uh, Nick Frost, who is a remarkable uh, serial founder, uh, did Startup List and then sold that to Mattermark, where he, where he worked for a long time. If you ever got a Mattermark list, chances are it came from Nick Frost. And, uh, and to boot, just a bonus, he's a Navy vet. So welcome to the program, Nick Frost. Welcome, Nick. Hello, everybody. Hey, everybody. Uh, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm so excited. Uh, like I said, you know, we were talking before the show, and I think the last time you and I got together was for drinks in San Francisco. God, it had to be like three, three years ago, maybe? Yeah, it was uh, quite a while, but uh, time definitely flies. It does, man. I'm so excited you're here. Uh, I really want to hear, you know, I, I obviously know a lot about your background, uh, just being, you know, knowing you for some time, uh, especially from your time at Mattermark, but our audience doesn't, right? And, our, and, and I don't and either. And Carmen doesn't either. <laughs> so, so. so, Nick, I, I want the whole story, like, you know, oh, where you're from, uh, how you got into the uh, military, and then yeah. uh, from there you can just feel free to share anything. Yeah, but so where are you from? Yeah, so I grew up uh, in a small town in Missouri called Conception Junction uh, with my grandparents and my twin brother. And uh, it was a town of 200 people. My graduating class had 18 people in it. Uh, so it was definitely, uh, you know, the real farm town experience. Um, but, you know, my brother and I, we knew from an early age, uh, growing up with our grandpa, uh, who is a, also a veteran, um, that we wanted to join the military. So, the, you know, college wasn't really a, a path we wanted to pursue. Um, so when we were 17, we joined the, uh, the, de- the delayed entry program and began our Navy training. Uh, which was really helpful going into boot camp. Um, you know, right after high school, uh, when we graduated, we went to Great Lakes, Illinois, and uh, we actually, you know, succeeded in boot camp, and we both got, um, you know, uh, increased ranks uh, due to our efforts, uh, which was really great. Um, when we got stationed in Port Wyneme, uh, California, which is north of Los Angeles, in 2006, um, and so, you know, we enlisted for five years and, you know, at the very beginning of it, you go through training programs and uh, we chose to be construction mechanics, which essentially is a diesel mechanic working on heavy equipment. So we got to uh, Ventura, California um, and uh, basically went through a three month training program and kind of at that point in your, you know, your career, you're it's still up in the air where you're going to be stationed uh, permanently. 
and we got lucky enough to be stationed on that same base. So we got to stay in California uh, for five years as, as our home base. And, uh, you know, we began to, you know, work, uh, work on equipment and, you know, do further training and sort of develop our careers from there. Um, I'll go into sort of my deployments. Um, you know, I'd never really been out, I, I had never been out of the country before then. So, uh, part of the, the benefits of being, you know, in the military is you get to travel the world. Uh, so my first deployment was, was in Spain, uh, the south of Spain, uh, for six months. And it was during the summer months and it was, you know, it was incredible to go from this farm town then to Los Angeles and now living in Spain. So nice. it was quite a, quite a first year, but, um, so yeah, I did uh, six months in Spain, which was, you know, pretty casual, um, basically supporting uh, Ford op- operating bases and in, in Afghanistan, things like that, by repairing equipment and, and maintaining equipment. And we came back, do more training. Uh, my second deployment was in 2009. We went to uh, Guam, which you know I kind of uh, uh, you know lucked out there because I you know got stationed on this beautiful Hawaiian-like island uh, in the middle of the Pacific. So that was that was incredible. Um, I got stationed on an island. Oh, yeah. yeah, it was called uh, Singing River Island in Pascagoula, Mississippi. Not as lush as Guam, <laughs> I, I'll admit, but uh, yeah. the weather was similar. Yeah. Awesome. But different um, smells, I would suspect. Yeah, I, I wouldn't know, but yeah, it was, it was, definitely, <laughs> a wonder, it was definitely a wonderful experience. Um, so yeah, you know, doing that and, and then, you know, coming back to, to L.A. Um, and then my third deployment was uh, to Afghanistan uh, for eight months, so that was... I believe it was uh, June 2010 to March uh, 2011, uh, somewhere around those dates. And uh, it was really interesting because by that time, you know, I was uh, I had passed my uh, second class petty officer exam and, you know, I was, you know, full steam ahead in terms of my duties and, you know, my, you know, managing a squad and everything. And, you know, it was it was going really well. Uh, but I, I decided that, you know, this I just wanted this to be one chapter of my life and I didn't want to, you know, reenlist and sort of continue extending it. So I, I signed the document saying, hey, I'm going to get out of the military, you know, uh, in June in 2011. So when I was in Afghanistan, I kind of had this internal motivation of, well, what the heck am I going to do when I get out? So uh, I convinced our, our commanding officer of, uh, of you know, the base or of the Navy side of the base to um, install wireless internet across, you know, our, our, you know, tent area. And, uh, you know, it was, it was for other, I pitched it as, you know, Hey, you know, people can, you know, spend more time on their computers and, and Skype and be on Facebook and stuff. Uh, but my selfish reason was I wanted to start exploring how to, how to build um, websites and how to, you know, uh, get into the tech industry because I was really interested in technology, but I had no no clue about any of it. And I so it, I, just, I find it interesting that you yeah. kind of went the other way, right? You said, uh, you know, it'd be cool, you know, morale for people to be able to like connect. But yours was, <laughs> I want to learn some new things. Instead, like most people would do it the other way, right? I want to learn new things. <laughs> but it's interesting, and he, and he fell for it. Like that's that's a great story. Yeah, that. yeah. Um, so I did that that interest came afterwards because obviously you had a choice in selecting a school right and you selected right. the diesel uh, so did did you not have a choice uh, to do technology when you go in or you d- develop the interest after you had spent the time in the military I'm just curious 
Yeah, I mean, I think our recruiters, you know, when we were 18, and, you know, we were pretty naive growing up in that small town. We didn't really have uh, much experience with, with, you know, that kind of, uh, you know, just broader tech stuff. I mean, I had no idea how anything really worked. Uh, we still had, like, super slow internet. Um, you know, I was I was one of the sort of IT people at the school, so I helped set up networking and stuff like that. But I'd never really done anything in terms of the software world. Um, and I think the thing that really spurred my interest before the Afghanistan deployment was that I got my, my first iPhone. And so I got my iPhone and I was like, wow, what is this mm-hmm. piece of technology? Um, and I was looking at these apps and I was using Foursquare a lot. And I was like, oh, that's really cool that Apple created Foursquare and now they can, you know, I can check into these places. And then I realized that Foursquare was a separate company and someone was building the software that I was using. And so that just blew my mind. Um, and, and, and so like that moment, uh, sort of really catapulted me on this path of, you know, Hey, like what is technology? I think it's the future. How can I be involved? Um, and so that's where I started to point my point, my future and, uh, getting into tech as a thing I wanted to do when I left the military. Mm, great. Nice. So yeah. you, you leave the military and, and within a few months, you have something going. You have something brewing already, and it's, so it's well. Actually, okay. Actually, There's so more. before I left the military, uh, I was still in my tent in Afghanistan. And these long hours that I was, you know, working, I would run back to my tent, jump on my laptop, and you know, stay up till you know one or two in the morning, reading TechCrunch, reading you know VentureBeat and other blogs, just learning about the industry itself, learning the vocabulary, uh, sort of how things work, and then I um, started building WordPress websites as experiments and buying domain names, just learning how that process worked. And I, I realized, hey, like there's a lot of uh, headlines about these startups getting funding, you know, coverage of, of you know, successful companies. But then I realized, well, what if there are other people in the world like me that don't have a network, don't have exposure, but they're building something? How can we share that with the world? So I, I started Startup List in de- uh, December 2010. Um, built a WordPress website, um, and then eventually found a co-founder because I read his post on Hacker News, and he was my CTO, essentially. We rebuilt it, and, uh, you know, when I was in my tent in Afghanistan, we I, I Skyped with Naval Ravikant. I uh, virtually attended a, a tech conference. I was there on the laptop on via Skype. Um, you know, I had uh, press coverage through uh, VentureBeat, and uh, so it was, you know, it seemed to be working pretty well. Um, so... By the time I got back to, to Los Angeles, I just finished up my enlistment um, while infiltrating the L.A. tech scene. There wasn't much going on in 2011, but I made a lot of connections. And um, I decided that when when I got out in June 2011, I wanted to uh, move to San Francisco. And so I did that in July 2011. I knew a couple of entrepreneurs and really just, you know, one friend and so, you know, I uh, moved there. Um, I separated from my co-founder at the time because he wanted to move on to other things. And I really had no clue in terms of the business of what I was building. Uh, but I had a lot of confidence and drive and passion for it. Um, and uh, so in, what is it, uh, by by, let's say, November 2013, having been in San Francisco for for a few months, I realized that um, after meeting with some angel investors um, and 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 other entrepreneurs, 
that I had too much to learn. I didn't know what I was going to be doing. So I kind of tabled startup list as a side project, um, for, for the, you know, essentially for the next five years, but, um, it, it definitely kept growing and kept growing interest and people were always signing up. And, um, one product that's live in the market today that, that is relevant to what I built is product hunt, which I think a lot of the tech industry knows about. So I like to say that I'm the precursor to product hunt. Um, <laughs> but, uh, which, you know, I, I, those guys are really awesome. So, um, but yeah, you know, quickly after I moved, um, to San Francisco, it was kind of like, and I had no revenue or no business model as, you know, how am I going to make money? So I was sleeping on couches. I had, you know, one sort of bag, you know, with clothes. And so I met this other entrepreneur named Greg and, uh, December, 2011, we launched angel hack and, uh, probably maybe some of your listeners have heard of angel hack, but it essentially started as uh, just a hackathon event. And, uh, we, we launched the first event and brought people together. Um, cause I wanted to sort of create, you know, create more of a top of funnel for new ideas to be created that could go through this pipeline of, um, getting investment and getting exposure and, and sort of going down the line. God, and, this makes um, so much sense. I, I, yeah. I, I've heard this somewhere before. It's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. And, uh, so, so that really worked. We were super surprised. Um, Adobe was involved. Microsoft was involved. Uh, a lot of other brands were, were involved and it, it, you know, it had a huge, uh, start to, to our event series. Uh, I left uh, that company about six months into it, um, you know, just due to issues. Um, but uh, it's it's still alive today. It's uh, in 106 countries, Jeez. over 160,000 um, community members, over 10,000 projects have been created. And now they have an accelerator component where they connect you with mentorship and funding. And 175 of those companies are still alive today. Um, or at least have gone through the program. So it's amazing to see that that random idea that we had uh, years ago is still alive and thriving. That's amazing. Um, We've been talking to Nick Frost. He is the co-founder of CoinState, which is his current probably amazing, successful project that we're going to get into. Yeah. Uh, but we're going to take our first break. So uh, we will be right back after this. CPA dudes, where accounting is never boring. Their price is not based on time. Instead, customers decide what to pay them. They don't charge you for sending invoices, phone calls, emails, texts, or meetings. They just get the damn job done. Find them at cpadudes.com slash startup radio. And we're back. We've been talking to Nick Frost. He's the co-founder of CoinState. And we've been talking to you, Nick, about your transition out and some of these early projects that blossomed really well. Uh, and I want to hear a bit more about uh, Angel Hack because I, I I love that you utilize that as sort of you identified that that was like a top of funnel that we needed to figure out how do you take these early stage ideas and give them a venue to to flourish right so can mm-hmm. you talk a little bit about about uh, more about Angel Hack and the precipice behind that that idea Yeah so I was you know I was lucky enough to be invited as a as a mentor to startup weekend events a few times uh, in 2011. And, uh, before, you know, way before angel hack, um, and during the mentorship process, you know, it was really cool to see these people come together for this weekend hackathon event, uh, put their ideas on paper, form a small team and build prototypes, you know, within 48 hours. Um, you know, if I had that, you know, capacity to do that, uh, in the early days of startup list, it probably would have, you know, gone a lot further in terms of, you know, it's early de- de- uh, developmental stage. 
Um, but one thing that I realized that, you know, wasn't being done was, was, uh, support after the weekend. So, uh, when I went to, uh, one of these events in San Francisco, uh, right after I moved there in, you know, the summer of 2011, I met this other entrepreneur and I told him, Hey, you know, what if we created this environment or this experience where we bring people together, they form teams, but then they stay teams and we provide support, uh, for them, you know, mentorship, access to, to brands and you know support community uh, where they can they can actually thrive and, and build a real long-lasting company and so we just took the idea pitched uh, sponsors and press and um, excuse me and uh, essentially launched our first event I think uh, one or two of the companies from that first event eventually went on to be acquired uh, which was really cool uh, the first few events we held were uh, in San Francisco and Boston and New York um, you know, it was just really amazing to see that these communities wanted to come together and they, you know, it only, it only really works because the community wants it to happen. Uh, they believe in, uh, coming together, forming new teams, um, and, and, you know, that they can support each other through the process of building these products afterwards. Um, so, you know, it was really exciting to see this happen. Um, and, and, you know, all the things that sort of have come from it, um, you know, they've, they've gone on to have uh, more diverse tracks versus just sort of a general audience. They have a, a women's track, um, an African-American's track. They have, uh, you know, ones in, you know, many countries around the world. Like I said, 106 cities around the world. Um, you know, it's, it's really just bringing people together that have uh, an idea or want to get into technology or, um, you know, are developers or, or can support in some way. And, and um it's, I think it's going on uh, pretty well. That's awesome. I, I love. I, first of all, you know I'm a big fan of yours, and Angel Hack was is is such a cool idea, and it kind of feeds into Startup List, which you created as yeah. a way to to make sure that people understood that the things that are coming out of these hackathons and other resources, they're pretty cool startups. Yep. So talk yeah, a little absolutely. bit. Yeah. So talk a little bit about that. You know, Startup List grew. How, how do you think? Why do you think that that uh, that Startup List grew to the way in the way that it did? Well, I think at the time uh, there wasn't, I mean, the sort of incumbent in the market at that time was um, AngelList, but essentially the focus on AngelList is to get funding. Right. Um, and, and there was something called BetaList, uh, which is still going today, but that was sort of, you know, products that are essentially landing pages looking for signups that are still in beta and not usable. And so I wanted to sort of blend that that system and make it where, you can be beta, you can be live, you can be looking for funding um, and create this cohesive sort of um, system where essentially it was a social network. You could follow people, you could share comments, it would aggregate, you know, um, posts by these companies from around the web into one single profile. Um, there was upvoting, downvoting, all kinds of things like that. Um, and I think that, you know, I, I think I listed probably over, over its existence about 20,000 companies um, it had about 30,000 users. Um, you know, it was, it was pretty active and, and I think that people just found it compelling to, you know, um, you know, they were just curious. They wanted to see, you know, these early adopters want to see new, new ideas. They want to see what's at the forefront, what's being built and what's, you know, what's being started now. And, and I think when people see new ideas, it can, you know, spark their own, their own, uh, you know, their own ambition. And, you know, it's just, it's kind of, uh, it's kind of addicting in, in a sense of like seeing, seeing what is new, like what's going on. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of uh, people in our industry that have, 
that have that sort of spark. So, and that drew the attention of Mattermark. Talk a little bit about that because Daniel Morell, who I, you know, she was yeah. a former coworker of mine at Twilio, wonderful human being, is now living in Denver. Um, you know, she she became interested in in startup list, and and it totally makes sense for those not uh, <laughs> you know who aren't familiar with Mattermark. Basically, they were a platform that enabled people to understand, especially VCs and funders, uh, what kind of startups were out there, and then sort of rank them right, like put some context around the health of the startup, where they were going, how much funding they were getting, who was involved, etc. So it made sense that startup list and Mattermark would be would be uh, something that would join forces, but. What was that first conversation with uh, with Mattermark when you guys started to gain their interest? Yeah, I mean, so uh, you know, my friendship with Danielle actually started uh, in at the beginning of 2012. So you know, two years before she, I, you know, she eventually acquired Startup List. I was working at AngelList at the time. Uh, you know, sitting next to Naval, and you know, he was teaching me how to how to evaluate companies, which ones were best suited for AngelList. Um, and how to onboard those companies to the platform. And so I was doing a lot of meetings and diligence with um, these different founders that sort of we would flag as, you know, potential, uh, you know, high-profile companies. Right. And she she had started one at the time um, called Referly, and she had just left Twilio, um, and she uh, she started this, this, you know, consumer product. And uh, essentially, I, I met with her and had coffee and, and told her all about, you know, what I was doing beforehand. And, um, we kept in touch over the years. So fast forward to, uh, summer 2014, uh, essentially I said, I, I sent her a tweet, uh, you know, we'd kept in touch, but I, I sent her just a DM on Twitter. I said, uh, Hey Danielle, hope you're doing well. Um, I'd love for you to, um, you know, check out startup list and, and, you know, see, you know, if, you know, what you think about, what do you think about this idea? And she said, um, I love it. I want to buy it and I want to hire you. And <laughs> she responded, she, she responded within two minutes. Oh my and, God. um, and so, you know, obviously that started our conversation of the acquisition and, and we went through that, that sort of, uh, that process. And, you know, it was, it was, uh, her, her husband, uh, Kevin and, um, their third co-founder, Andy Sparks and a few other people on the team, mostly engineers. She yeah. was still running. She was still running all the marketing, and so September 2014, we we signed the deal, and I, I joined Mattermark and, and sold Startup List. That's um, awesome. And obviously, the benefit for for Mattermark was, uh, you know, I had this list of of entrepreneurs and this huge list of companies, and Mattermark, you know, is a data company uh, where they want to see companies from the early stages in the aggregate, you know, uh, thousands of points. Um, uh, thousands of data points uh, about each company uh, for for their profiles, and I had a lot of data that she could, you know, she could they could ingest into their system and sort of help expand their database. Um, so that was definitely helpful. And uh, you know, the one thing you mentioned in your your first intro of me was you know the Mattermark list, the Mattermark daily. Mm-hmm. And so actually, um, you know, I signed the HR documents like on on you know the first day. And actually, that same day, Danielle was like, "Great, you know, send send the Mattermark daily today." I was like, <laughs> "What? <laughs> like, what is that?" She hadn't been uh, doing it before, right? You, it was just something that you guys sort of just birthed from this acquisition. Well, she had uh, she had been doing a newsletter, you know, for 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 the company, um, kind of 
sporadically, um, right. you know, a few times a month, I think. And, and it wasn't, uh, it wasn't sort of as fully developed, uh, as, as we, we evolved it into. Um, so she had, you know, um, relatively small list and, you know, there were some people, I was actually a subscriber already. Um, and I really enjoyed it whenever I got it. And so, you know, my goal was how can we, uh, have this, uh, as a community, um, driver, a brand awareness, uh, channel, a distribution channel for our own products, um, and basically just, you know, how can we treat this as an actual product of Mattermark itself? Um, and so I, I helped develop uh, a newsletter into this this product that helped generate revenue for the company. It's awesome. Yeah, and, and sorry, Conan, go ahead. Um, no, I, I actually was um, uh, trying to understand um, your your role, but you're, you're describing it right now Okay. Uh, at Mattermark, so... Yeah, and yes. what was interesting about this, so Nick became this curator of yes. information uh, for the startup community. And anybody who was anybody got these, like it was, your day was finished when you got an email from Nick. And then your ride home on the train was reading the Nick's email that you got every day, which was from the founders, from the operators, from the VCs. And it was all these blogs mm-hmm. from the internet in one place. Wow. And uh, and it was just a wealth of knowledge. It was uh, information that was wildly helpful to founders, um, if, whether you were trying to figure out the problem within your startup or you were trying to fundraise. Either way, that information that you got in the aggregate was supremely valuable. I see. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, uh, you know, along with the newsletter, you know, that was one aspect of, of my role, uh, you know, the first project that I took on, but also, you know, I was the first marketing hire. So it was kind of, you know, evaluating what Danielle was doing in terms of marketing and trying to take stuff off her plate so she could, you know, focus on product and sales and, you know, being the CEO. So, um, you know, we started doing uh, more blog content, more written content. So I, I helped hire and manage uh, a team of content writers uh, we started doing social media advertising, uh, conferences and events, um, some of our own, and, and also attending others. Um, and what, and what I think, I mean, what I yeah. think is interesting about that is that it really, and people don't understand this. As as entrepreneurs are building their businesses, it's really hard to focus on content marketing when you're trying to raise a seed round or you're trying to acquire new customers. But it's really important, and I think where. Where Mattermark got it right was that the, every single day they were the stewards of this information, which made them the experts. And mm-hmm. when I'm saying the experts, I'm saying the experts. Like there was nobody else out there curating a list like this of information uh, to get it out to the masses. I mean, I'm, I'm sure you had people on the list that were like Andreessen Horowitz, and I know that mm-hmm. Jeff Lawson was a, a subscriber. Like there was a lot of really high up people making big impact in the startup community that all received this newsletter and it and it goes to sort of how you guys were able to build Mattermark in the way that you guys were use, utilizing this as a trusted resource yeah absolutely I mean you know we saw it as as part of our lead gen uh, strategy you know we put you know the sign up button on the on the front page uh, you know we drove uh, traffic to it through through social media and um, you know, we, we even got, you know, I did podcast episodes about how I built it and, and there were, you know, press coverage about, you know, oh, you know, top five newsletters entrepreneurs should uh, subscribe to and things like that. So it sort of, 
became you know kind of a kind of a big deal you know over three years it went from you know around 5,000 subscribers to about 120,000 subscribers um and you know it was it was just amazing and it and it really uh our main goal was to to provide curated quality information uh to to our community you know if you couldn't read it from read an article from beginning to end and find value in it then you know it wasn't going to be included yeah. Um, but also there was the, the benefit that, you know, it was our newsletter. And so we could put a different call to action at the top or the bottom and feature, feature our own blog content. So, you know, this growing list of subscribers would find valuable content, but it would also see our business. And so, you know, we drove thousands of leads from just, you know, newsletter subscribers that said, hey, oh, yeah, like Mattermark is actually a data platform where you can inform your sales, you can due diligence uh, for, you know, if you're an investor, if you're a marketer, you can do, you know, a market an- uh, analysis. You know, there's a lot of different use cases for Mattermark as a product. Um, we had a mobile app where you could sort of uh, check on, you know, companies funding and, and, you know, other things like that and analytics. And, and so it was really just a great place to, um, and I would recommend any, anybody that has a company today to, to start a newsletter uh, for all the reasons that I'm saying. Um, it was a great place to to sort of have uh, a confined audience that you knew were going to see what you're building as well as uh, get value out of it from an objective perspective. Absolutely. And I'm proud to say one of my articles got onto the Mattermark Daily. So really one of my, <laughs> I, my accomplishments wanna... in, in, my, uh, in my career. Uh, but we, uh, we need to take a quick commercial break. We've been talking to Nick Frost, uh, co-founder of CoinState. We'll be right back. Today's episode of The Veteran Startups is brought to you by Publicize, a deconstructed PR subscription service which generates effective visibility for your business. For instance, media relations. Publicize handles all communications with the media and any content required to do this, press releases, editorial pitches, etc. And they offer a wide range of PR products and abilities out of which you can construct the PR package right for the future of your business. Check them out at publicize.co and tell them Carmen and Josh sent you. And we're back talking to Nick Frost, co-founder of Coin state. Uh, Carmen, you had a question. Uh, Noah, um, I, uh, I would love to see, I was going to say I'd love to see your uh, your article that got yeah. published there. And actually, uh, one of the newsletters, now they're still in existence and and then tell us about what uh, your next transition was, because you're still Nick, you're not uh, with Mattermark anymore, right? So you transition into uh, a new venture after that? No? No. Uh, Nick, correct me if I'm wrong. Mattermark got sold to VMware, right? Or oh, Yesware, sorry. Full contact. Full contact. I, it was one of those yeah. things. But anyway, uh, yeah, and I, I think uh, Daniel's still with full contact or on sabbatical, I, I don't recall. But I know you left uh, right before the acquisition. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I was there for three years. I was the, I was the longest employee at the company besides the founders. Uh, it was an amazing experience to see uh, the growth of the company. You know, they raised a Series A as well as a Series B during during that time. Uh, they we grew from you know, ten people to uh, to sixty people, and then back down to you know, uh, ten people or so uh, towards the end. And you know, it was, it was just amazing to see uh, this company grow and and the ebb and flow of of what my responsibilities were. Um, you know, I was, you know, obviously focused on the newsletter, but 
as as we started to grow, we wanted more content. We wanted um, sort of more more management. Uh, we had uh, a, a VP of marketing, director of content, um, director of of, um, of you know user acquisition, and and I was sort of the glue that helped uh, hold a lot of these positions together because I had the most experience with the company itself. Um, and, and so it was amazing to, to work with uh, these people. And, um, you, know, man, you know, I got to manage uh, some interns and some other, uh, you know, a lot of contractors. And, um, and so, yeah, it was, it was definitely an, an amazing experience. But by um, mid-2017, we, uh, you know, the company was was uh, looking to be acquired, so so they, uh, you know, had signed a deal with with Full Contact, and so you know they had to start letting people go, and uh, you know sort of uh, told us the news, and so I left uh, Mattermark in August of 2017, and I had a couple of months to figure out what I wanted to do. Uh, I wasn't really sure, um, you know, been working at that point for you know six years, <laughs> uh, pretty full time. And uh, so I, I took a couple of months off and decided to move to Los Angeles from San Francisco and uh, decided to sort of change gears, uh, but use my experience in marketing and you know change my focus to the cryptocurrency industry. So uh, I've been working with traditional startups, you know, software, you know, normal software companies, uh, the whole time, you know, the entire experience of my career. But I wanted to get into something new and, and you know, crazy, bleeding edge, exciting. And uh, this was before the sort of crypto boom of, of uh, December 2017. Uh, so in November, when I got to Los Angeles, I joined a cryptocurrency company in Santa Monica and sort of dove head first. It, it was pretty refreshing because, you know, kind of the same days as uh, getting into technology, you know, when I was building Startup List, um, I had to sort of learn this this brand new industry and the whole new glossary of terms and who the players are and how it all works. Um, read you know read a lot of white papers and you know find new podcasts. And uh, so it was just a lot of um, absorption and and sort of uh, you know just just take as taking as much in as possible. But we quickly um, you know I joined a company that essentially is kind of like an incubator. Um, they they uh, they help people with ideas or cryptocurrency ideas. Um, they help build those ideas, market those ideas and land investors for those ideas. So, um, so I, I, obviously that fits in with my entire experience of everything else I did, I've done in my career, um, sort of the, the idea stage to the funding stage and beyond. Um, so it was very exciting to join that, but in a different field. And, uh, so yeah, I learned all about, um, ICOs and, and blockchain and, um, and the crypto space, uh, and uh, and so I um, I stayed with them for for about four months, kind of just as like a you know contract role, sort of like you know getting my getting my feet wet, and then um, uh, I believe it was March uh, 2018. Uh, one of my coworkers, um, his name is Justin Wu. Uh, he's he's kind of popular on Twitter and LinkedIn. Uh, he uh, we we both decided to to leave that company and, and form our own sort of uh, agency, our marketing agency uh, called Coin State, and uh, so yeah, we've been we've been at it and uh, it's going really well. So 
you know, a lot of our listeners, ICO is a pretty new thing. We had a another veteran-run uh, organization called Cowboy Crickets, and they, they did an ICO out of uh, Montana. And, and for all intents and purposes, it seemed like a pretty successful launch for them. Explain what an ICO is at a fundamental level and why it is important. Yeah, so essentially uh, the ICO or the initial coin offering is basically – it, it feels kind of like the reverse way of getting funding. Uh, you know, traditionally in startups, you build a prototype, uh, you build a pitch deck, and you, uh, you know, you, you pitch um, investors, and, and or maybe you have like a usable product with with some customers or you know some users, some traction, right. and then you, um, you know, then you get uh, angel investors, and you sort of go on from there. This is basically you have a white paper and an idea. Um, you know, white paper is essentially a text form of a, of a pitch deck, and then you build a website and you build a community around it via Telegram and Reddit and uh, Twitter, and you essentially get people that are interested in the cryptocurrency, uh, in cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin, Ethereum, uh, Ripple, Litecoin, things like that, uh, and you know these people are already in the mindset of cool, I'm going to buy this this token or this coin that has some sort of utility. Um, and so you're basically trying to convince people, hey, buy my cryptocurrency and we're going to use the funding uh, that we're getting from from selling that currency to eventually build the product and then sort of get users and, and sort of launch, you know, six months or a year later. And um, so, so do, getting- do, they, do they have ownership in exchange for this uh, cryptocurrency uh, oh. transaction? No, so they don't have they don't have an equity ownership. I mean, some companies have done that, but the majority of of cryptocurrency companies, it's it's essentially you're you're buying um, what's a good way to put it. I mean, it's not a stock. It's it's kind of like um, a stake or not really a stake. It's it's not equity ownership. So uh, some it depends on the governance that the the company sort of wants to have. You might have some voting rights if you own enough currency, uh, but essentially it's. It's supposed to be about you buy this currency so you can use it on the platform when the platform eventually launches. Got it. Uh, so let's say uh, it's a um, it's a it's a, a streaming service that's based on the blockchain. So you buy the, this currency. Eventually, they build a music streaming service. Now you can spend that currency that you bought to to stream music. Oh, um, that's kind of the you know essential idea. I mean, each company has their own sort of. A unique perspective on how their how their model works, um, but that's the you know the basics of it. It's so interesting because currently cryptocurrency and blockchain are sort of the wild west right now. Nobody really understands <laughs> yeah. how any of it work, right? That's but right. there's there's an entire economy being built around these things. And yep. uh, you know, I bought I bought Litecoin a long time ago and and got rid of it. I bought Ether Ethereum, uh, and then when the founder pulled all of his uh, interest out, I, I pulled out as well. But I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's really interesting that this entire world exists. It's sort of like underground world, and it really feels like. The early '90s of the internet, right now. Uh, am I wrong? I mean, I, this is really what it feels like uh, for for cryptocurrency and blockchain. Yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty much how people describe it: the wild, wild west, and it's it's 1993. <laughs> so you know, this is you know uh, you know people are building new browsers based on the blockchain. Uh, you know, with privacy, you know, things involved, and and you know, a, a browser that has its own currency that you can that you can um, essentially pay for articles or pay 
content creators that um, accept that currency, you know. So there's a lot of different crazy ideas, just like in the early 90s. Right. Um, and, you know, uh, people would say, oh, you know, December 2017, when Bitcoin went from $3,000 to $20,000, was uh, that was uh, the $2,000 boom and bust cycle. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, yeah, you know, maybe in a sense, but uh, it was still sm a lot smaller than, than that actual period. Um, but in terms of figuring out how this brand new technology works, I mean, uh, you know, it, you know, back in the early days, you know, how does HTTP work? How do how do domains work? How does you know how do uh, how do hyperlinks work? You know, just how does how do you get information? You know, um, it was pretty much a blue ocean opportunity, and you know, the blockchain itself is the underlying thing that that spurs uh, the 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 interest and the curiosity and the this feeling of hey there's there are so many things that are not on this this new kind of fundamental technology so let's you know let's everybody build them you know, let's let's build the the things that are not here yet uh, but on this technology um, and so yeah it's there's a lot of crazy ideas uh, but there's a lot of really great ones too um, so it's it's definitely wild. Um, it's like prospecting yeah. for gold in the old west. <laughs> I, I'm just happy <laughs> that the, I'm just happy that this does this early stages of this doesn't include the horrible modem sound that we had to deal with at the early stages. Of <laughs> yeah. the that's, that's just all I'm thankful it's for. It's quiet. It's very quiet. Uh, you know, in, in its own way. Uh, but yeah, yeah let's, so let's. I, we got a, a couple minutes before our next break, but I really want to uh, dive into Coin State and sort of. At a high level, you, you know, on your LinkedIn, it says growth marketers supporting businesses built on the blockchain. Uh, yep. ex elaborate on that a little bit. Definitely. I'd love to yes. hear. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, once again, you know, utilizing the many different things I've done in marketing, you know, since my tent in Afghanistan up until, up until now, um, you know, I've kind of run the gamut of, you know, a lot of the things you can do. I mean, besides SEO, SEO is its own beast, so I don't do SEO, but uh, you know, I do pretty much everything else. And um, essentially, you know, Justin Wu, uh, my co-founder, he um, is a well-respected growth marketer, which essentially means you're going to try different experiments. Uh, you're going to try, you know, fundamental marketing techniques, uh, growth marketing, advertising. Um, you know, I mean, uh, sorry, uh, content marketing, advertising. Um, you know, events, uh, press, PR. You're going to definitely those have those in your wheelhouse, but you know, doing experiments like um, using LinkedIn uh, systems where you can, you know, get more connections or uh, find ways to um, have viral uh, viral signup pages, um, you know, viral uh, loops in terms of um, getting more more people to share the content after they sign up, uh, running contests, running different incentive programs, uh, you know, doing partnerships um, with with uh, bigger channels that can distribute your content, um, you know, to their audiences. Uh, so so essentially, we brought you know we're bringing just our experience of working in in the tech industry in the startup industry to this this new you know wild wild west of cryptocurrency companies where you know kind of like in the early days of the you know these internet businesses a lot of technical people and engineers are the ones that were starting those companies eventually business people sales people marketing people have to come in and sort of develop the companies into companies and so that's where there weren't a lot of marketers in the cryptocurrency space you know even in 2017 so uh you know right after uh, 2018 we decided hey you know there's a lot of room for for 
people like us, uh, you know, to to uh, experienced marketers uh, to come in and and help these companies understand. Here's what you need when you're trying to pitch your idea to to potential users and these potential investors. Here are the fundamentals of how to use social media, how to develop content, how to get on podcasts, how to um, you know get connected with press and influencers, um, how to you know present yourself in a in a uh, a positive sort of um, um, proactive way where they're going to be really interested in you uh, and, and, you know, join your community. And, you know, one thing I, I haven't said, uh, but I like to say sort of in, in, you know, if I'm doing a podcast interview, one um, personal philosophy that I think equates to, you know, my mindset of, of being a growth marketer is, uh, uh, you know, how do I increase uh, my gravity? So, you know, if I'm a planet, like, how do I increase my mass and become a planet that has heavier gravity? So that basically means uh, having more opportunities come to you versus having to seek out more opportunities. So I, I think about uh, when I go into marketing, how do I how can we increase the gravity of this company where people are wanting to talk to us versus us having to put ourselves out there? Um, with a lot of effort. That's a, that's a um, great perspective. Great. I love that because you always, and when you're a company, you want to turn the corner for being more of an outbound to being more of an inbound. Right? Absolutely. So we've been talking to Nick Frost. He's the co-founder of CoinState. We're going to take uh, one last quick commercial break and we'll be right back. Support for today's episode comes from our friends at Ruby Receptionists. At Ruby, they've mastered the art of turning rings into relationships. Their team of remote receptionists answer all of your calls live as if they're right there in your office. Together, you and Ruby transform your phone into the sales engine it was meant to be. Start setting your business apart today. Visit callruby.com forward slash startup radio to sign up, or better yet, call them at 833-861-8100 and use promo code StartupRuby. Nick Frost, welcome back. Uh, so, uh, you know, welcome back to the uh, to the organization. I know that uh, Carmen wants to talk a little bit about shift.org. Uh, you want to okay, yeah. you want to cover a little bit about that? I know we only have about ten minutes. Right. I I wanted to hear a little bit about Shift.org. What is it? And uh, go ahead, Nick. Yeah. So um, Shift.org is uh, an amazing um, company that matches uh, veterans to to you know organizations. So it's basically you know going back to my experience getting out of the military. You know, I had no idea. They kind of just kick you out the gate, and and then you know, there's not much support. There is support, but it's a lot of effort to actually get it. So, um, I I met this guy named Mike Slog, uh, who's the CEO the CEO of uh, Shift.org, and uh, we became friends. Uh, I don't know, if, you know, many years ago, and um, and uh, he, we were talking about this. You know, how can we how can we basically um, in, you know, shorten the, the the hiring pipeline for veterans uh, to you know credible organizations, and he came up with Shift.org, um, and it basically it's a fellowship program uh, for uh, veterans uh, just getting out of the military, as well as they have uh, training programs for active duty as well, um, that that lead to to jobs um, for veterans. Um, you know, they're connected with um, a lot of great companies, and you know, Uber, a firm. Um, uh, the MLB, um, Okta, and, and and a huge list of other ones. Um, it's basically a training program for veterans uh, to to you know get uh, business experience uh, through mentorship and, and actual you know courses, and um, then they they have a direct pipeline to the recruiting manager um, at at different organizations. 
I, I love, uh, you know, you, you and I were uh, board members together at Operation Code, and what yeah. I think draws me to you, Nick, is the fact that you have this sense of community and give first and, uh, you know, trying to make the community a better place. And this is just another way, and I, I, I love you for doing this, man. Yeah, I mean, it's... And so oh, what's your ahead, role sorry. What's your role in SHIF Org because you join um, the organization... It's yeah, so uh, so I'm an, uh, an early advisor of Shift.org, and essentially, you know, back in the, the prototyping phase, you know, helping Mike think through, you know, how should onboarding work, how should the marketing side of things work. Um, I mean, it's they've they've definitely grown as an organization, so they have a lot of the the players and uh, you know in um, in place in terms of their their team. Um, they've built a great staff, and uh, so I'm you know I'm not. Uh, insanely involved now. I, I, you know, get the uh, the investor updates, and I, you know, I'm keeping uh, keeping in contact with them. But but essentially, it's you know uh, thinking, you know, helping them think think through uh, community marketing, um, and you know, sort of you know how can they just continue to to grow um, their audience of uh, of veterans, um, getting access to this program, as well as you know. You know, if there's a company that I that I come across that I you know think is really great that has a veteran program uh, in place, then I'm you know providing those intros so they can you know they can uh, connect with Shift.org and, and hopefully form a partnership where they can you know uh, have veterans get hired through the Shift.org um, process. Yeah, it's it's a, an amazing so, uh, organization. I, I've heard of it uh, a few times from from veterans who have utilized it. So it's been. You know, wildly helpful, and I think it's it's a really worthy clause. There's a ton of really good veteran service organizations out there that have been so helpful, and this is just another example of that. Um, we have a few minutes left, and we typically end the show with lessons learned. Right? We talked a little bit about you know the, your time at uh, you know Angel Hack, you, you're starting at Bliss, you're getting acquired to Mattermark, and then starting this new uh, growth marketing uh, operation, Coin State. I, I, what I really want to understand is some of the things that you've learned through this process. And the, and the question I always ask every founder is, what's the one thing that you've screwed up in a big way, or it could be in a small way. We've all done you know many things to screw up, but what is that one thing that you've done in your career where you're like, I am never doing that again. That's I, I will never allow that to happen because it was so dramatic. Wow. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of things. Um, let's see. Um, you know, I think uh, you know one thing that I wish I would have started from the beginning, and I've and I've definitely started doing. Um, you know, probably about a year ago is is basically you know, and this isn't specifically uh, you know a business you know process or anything, but but it's basically you know writing and you know having a journal and sort of keeping my thoughts. So um, you know, early on in the process, I was just way too busy to sort of like reflect and understand sort of you know what. Um, what I was doing, um, and just sort of like keeping my thoughts, uh, in a, in a, in a going forward path. So, um, you know, just basically like keeping a journal and, uh, and, and writing and I haven't been publishing those, right. You know, those, those posts yet, but, uh, you know, that's, that's one of my goals for 2019 now that we have uh, the new year. But, um, you know, I think that, um, being able to, as a founder, you know, documenting your processes in, in terms of, you know, you know where you're at sort of what you're doing um and also you know um for for posterity like how did things go um i mean i didn't do that when i was at startup list or angel hack or or even Mattermark. but um you know i've been i've been working on it um you know more over the past year and 
um, you know, it's definitely it's definitely a good way to have sort of clarity. And you know, like there's some things that you might forget that you learned, or or um, ideas that you might have had, or um, you know, you know, sparks of interest that you know uh, that you may have forgotten about. So um, I would definitely encourage everybody to sort of you know just just start writing, you know, writing down your your thoughts and and uh, you know keeping those um, you know sort of handy and uh, eventually. Like that, that will help with your process of just like thinking through things and and you know helping solve your business problems. That's that's a, that's uh, great. Yeah, I, I keep a journal as well, and I think that's really important. And it's yeah. excellent, you know, to get that advice uh, for this new year. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. So, uh, you know, we have a lot of listeners that are entrepreneurs, right? They want to be an entrepreneur. Yeah. What do you think is the advice that you wish you had, other than journaling, obviously, that you wish you <laughs> yeah. that you wish you had as an early entrepreneur uh, that that you would give, say, somebody going into those early stages of the startup journey? Uh, I mean, I you know, I started as my you know just out of my own passion, um, but I I think that. Um, Wow, what advice! I mean, I think uh, you know, finding finding like-minded people and and actually making connections. You know, I uh, I was lucky enough to do that, and and I, I I advise people to to just get out there. You know, go to local events. They don't have to be hackathons. They don't have to be um, you know major events or or anything that's really costly. But there's tons of meetups. There's tons of things in most local areas these days. And if you're a entrepreneur, basically. The best thing that you can do uh, is is surround yourself with people that are uh, wanting to, you know, go forward and they're building their own businesses and you can learn a lot uh, pretty quickly uh, from these people. And you're going to make connections that you're going to have for many years to come. Um, and it's really cool to reflect with those people years later saying, oh, wow, we started not really having any idea, but now now we're both building companies. Yeah, I love yeah. it. Well, uh, That's great advice. We are at the end of our show. Uh, Nick, you've been an amazing guest. I'm so excited uh, that of all your progress that you've been making. And uh, and last thing, where, where, where can people find you? Uh, yeah, so Twitter is uh, at N-I-C-K-R Frost. So that's Nick R. Frost. Yeah. Uh, and, and then LinkedIn is uh, just, you can just type in Nicholas Frost and uh, you should see my face. Um, so yeah, those are the two best places. Yeah, and and uh, using Twitter to get acquired, super good, uh, super <laughs> yeah. good strategy. Nick, thank Absolutely. you so much for being on the show, and uh, thank you, Nick. Yeah, and uh, and happy New Year, sir. Thank you so much. Uh, happy New Year to you and all of your listeners, and uh, thank you so much for this opportunity. I really appreciate it. Yeah, you've been listening to the Veteran Founder Podcast on the Startup Radio Network, the network that brings inspiration and education to startups and entrepreneurs around the globe. Tune in again next week and every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Listen, learn, and get shit done. See you guys next week. You're listening to the Startup Radio Network. Listen, learn, launch. 10% of our gross revenue goes directly to women entrepreneurs in developing countries around the world through Kiva's microfinance program.